0: Well what a pleasure it is to have Ray Rin Gumble with us tonight, zooming in from Milwaukee's Inn Center where she is the teacher. Ray Rin sat with us in Santa Cruz here for years and years, raising her two kids here in town and, and running the Golden Fleece Yarn Store and she was a morning doan and did lots of things around Santa Cruz Zen Center and then uh, when the kids got out of school she went up to Green Gulch to continue her Zen studies and uh and now she's the teacher there at uh Milwaukee Zen Center. So thank you very much Ray Rin. Thank you Patrick. And everybody else, it's wonderful to see your faces. Many of you I remember very well. <laughs> yeah, this is—it's been a long time. I—I um, I think I came to this Santa Cruz Zen Center in '95 because uh, we lived in Bonnie Doon for. With, few years and then we moved to the West side and then I was able to come regularly. Yes, that's. And then I think I left. Yeah, I left in 2003. So I was around the Zen center for quite a while. And I remember that uh, there was a fundraising and we were asked, what does the center mean for you? And I said, it's an anchor for me. It, it, it grounded me, it helped me together. <laughs> yeah, it was not an easy time. And so now being in Milwaukee is wonderful. I, I actually, right now I'm alone in this big house. <laughs> the Zen Center is downstairs. I'm here in my um, apartment on the second floor. Yes, uh, and I would like to present a koan tonight. I'm sure you all know it. Nanchuan kills a cat. I've always felt quite uneasy about this koan and have for a long time avoided it because this kind of violence has no room in a Zendo. However, there must be a good reason why it became so famous, because we find it in all three major koan collections, the Blue Cliff Record, the Gateless Gate, and also in the Book of Serenity. So first about Nanchuan. In uh, Japanese, it's Nansen. He was a Chan Master during the Tang Dynasty, He was a student and Dharma successor of Matsu, very famous Master Matsu. In the year 795, when he was in his 40s, he had already had his enlightenment experience with Master Matsu. Uh, He left and settled in a self-made hut on Mount Nanshwan. That's where he got his name. His domine. And he lived there in solitary, eremitic uh, ar- soli- solitude for three decades until a high government official came to see him and became his student. And then he became well-known and he was asked to start a monastery. And they say that at his place, there were always hundreds of monks. So he became a very, very famous teacher. And his, he had 17 successors. And we probably know Zhaoju best, Zhaoju or Joshu in Japanese. So, this lineage of Matsu, you know, we know Baijiang, Guishan, there were some ferocious people there. They would, you know, twist people's noses, make loud shouts that people were deaf for three days and um, use their stick and hit people. But Nachuan actually wasn't known to be violent. He, was, he seemed to be a pretty gentle person. And I think this is the only case I have heard that an innocent creature was harmed. So this is very strange. Why did he do that? I'm going to read the koan from the Gateless Gate. This is with with the commentary by Koan Yamada. And he uses the Japanese name. Nansen kills the cat. Once the monks of the Eastern and Western Zen halls in Master Nansen's temple were quarreling about a cat. Nansen held up the cat and said, you monks, if one of you can say a word, I will spare the cat. If you can't say anything, I will put it to the sword. No one could answer. So Nansen finally slew it. In the evening, when Joshua arrived, returned, Nansen told him what had happened. Joshua is Zhaojo. Joshua thereupon took off his sandals, put them on his head, and walked off. Nansen said, if you had been there, I could have spared the cat. My immediate thought when I heard this koan for the first time was the story of King Solomon in the Bible, where two women are arguing about a baby who is the rightful mother. And when they cannot agree... Solomon takes the sword and says, well, I'll cut, cut it in half and then you can each have half. And of course, the one of the mothers right away said, no, 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 don't kill the baby. Give it to the other person. And he knew she was the right mother. When we hear about the Eastern and Western halls, that's quite a common way to separate monks, if you have a large number of people, like in, at Gulch we would have the dragons and the elephants uh, who would, one group would make, it would do a job and the others would study and then it, they would switch. So it's easier to handle a large number of people when you put them into groups. So, but that also causes factions, right? And so it's quite understandable that they were arguing. Now they were arguing about a cat. And of course it could be that maybe they like to have a pet around, you know, in the monastery, you don't have much touch. It may be really sweet to, you know, stroke the cat kitty and have a, kitty around that that might be very nice in a monastery and maybe they wanted it for them each each group wanted wanted to have a cat also maybe the cat might kill the mice but i think these are zen monks it's more likely that they were arguing about you know something like does the cat have buddha nature some Zen problem. We don't know the nature of the argument, but probably it was something in that order. Well, obviously, the teacher got tired of it. And this is not unusual. One song mentions a different but similar situation in his commentary in the Book of Serenity. So this is a quote. Chan Master Yuan Tong Shu of Fayan saw two monks standing together talking. He took his staff, went up to them and hit the ground several times with his staff and said, a piece of karmic ground. How much the more so in the case of the leaders of the groups in the two halls who got into an argument over a cat. And even Chakyamuni Buddha became fed up with the behavior of some monks and went into retreat. This is a quote from the Vinaya Pitaka, um, the Mahavagga. While he was alone in retreat, this thought arose in his mind. Formerly, I lived in discomfort, pestered by those Kosambi bikus who quarrel, brawl, wrangle, harangue, and litigate in the midst of the sangha. Now I am alone and companionless, living at ease and in comfort, away from all of them. So this is not unusual that a teacher says, you know, I don't want to hear anymore. This is This is enough. But non- Nan or reaction is radical. One song's commentary reads: Nanchuan did not offer them forgiveness or encouragement, nor did he give them admonition or punishment. A genuine man of the way, he used the fundamental matter to help people. Holding up the cat, he said. If you can say a word, I won't kill it. What is the fundamental matter? Well, the words on the Han can give us a clue. Great is the matter of birth and death. Life is quickly passing. Time waits for no one. Wake up, wake up, don't waste time. We don't know why nobody spoke. Were they too shocked? Or did they not think that Nanchuan would be serious? Well, they certainly did not heed the warning on the Han. Great is the matter of birth and death. Don't waste time. Quickly, wake up. One sense commentary in the book of serenity says this den of dead, ra- dead rats, this den of dead rats had no energy at all. Once Nanchuan held forth, he wouldn't withdraw and acted out the order to the full. Maybe, maybe the monks didn't want to be exposed as weak. If they like the woman in the Bible had said, No, don't kill the cat. And they may have expected the teacher looking for a Zen phrase. And and here's a quote from Cohen Yamada's commentary in The Gateless Gate. For ordinary people who know nothing about Zen, it would not be difficult to say something at such a time. But for those who are studying Zen, it will be a bit difficult because they have some conceptions about Zen. They will try to say some Zen like turning words. Well, a turning word was certainly needed. It means coming to a new understanding through a word or a phrase. And Thomas Cleary says turning is often used as turning from personal liberation to dealing with the world not clinging to one's state also transforming or changing direction at an impasse and this was certainly an impasse and it would have needed somebody to not cling to the state but say something When Zhaoju hears the story, he also doesn't say anything. But he makes a dramatic response by putting his sandals on his head. I read that in the East, this gesture would be a sign of mourning or repentance. And also in the West, we know that Christians often put ashes on their heads during Lent as a sign of at a time of penitence so this is um, a special gesture and it is turning the world upside down shoes should be on the ground we carry the Buddha's robe high and hold it on our heads when we say the rope verse it feels like a sacrilege to Put your sandals on your head instead. But here the act has a deep impact. Jauju mourns the loss of life. It's too late to say anything. But he shows that he would have responded differently than the other monks. This is the pointer verse in the Blue Cliff record, which leads into the case. Where the road of ideation cannot reach, that is just right to bring to attention. Where verbal explanation cannot reach, you must set your eyes on it quickly. If your thunder rolls and comets fly, then you can overturn lakes and topple mountains. Is there anyone in the crowd who can manage this? At Nan Chuan's place one day, the monks of the Eastern and Western halls were arguing about a cat. And Yuan Wu notes, it's not just today that they are haggling together. This is a case of degeneracy. And when no one responds to the master, he says, what a pity to let him go a bunch of lacquer tubs. What are they worth? Phony chant followers are as plentiful as hemp and millet. (laughs) Lacquer is a precious material, right? Maybe they felt they were precious. What a pity to let him go. And there's more in the commentary in the uh, Gateless Gay about Joshua Joshua was away when all this happened and did not return to the monastery until evening Nansen told him what had taken place and probably asked him what would what do you think about this Joshua put his sandals on his head and walked away. Joshua, of course, was deeply enlightened and had swept away not only all delusive thoughts, but also all remembrance of enlightenment. He had no ideas, no concepts, not even a trace of enlightenment. He was a truly emancipated man who presented the inner world of his consciousness to Nansen. He did not say a word. By his action alone, he showed his state of consciousness and gave the master his answer to the koan. In that action, there was no discriminative thinking, not even the thought that sandals belong on the feet and not on the head. Mumon's commentary, so in the Mumon Khan, Mumon says, What is the meaning of Joshua's putting his sandals on his head? If you can give a turning word concerning this matter, you will be able to see that Nansen's command was not meaningless. But if you can't, look out, danger. And the verse he says, had Joshua been there, he would have given the command instead. Had he snatched, he had he snatched away the sword, even Nansen would have begged for his life. So um, the commentary is. What do you think it means to put sandals on your head? Can you give a turning word? And on the word, on the verse, he says, what this means is that if Joshua had been there, he might have snatched the sword from Nansen's hand and pointed it as his throat saying, what kind of Zen stinking talk is that? Then Nansen would have begged for his life. The verse seems to appreciate Joshua more than Nansen, but this is only theoretical. Nansen is no less great than Joshua. So these two knew what, what it was about. And it was a matter of, of life and death. So, but what can we learn from that? What What does this mean for us today?